What, what exactly does the scripture teach when it comes to giving? I know we call it tithes and offerings, and we have, as long as I can remember, the, especially in the Baptist church, but I think most all churches that I know of call it the tithe, uh, which is maybe a little deceiving uh, because the tithe is an Old Testament concept uh, that uh, was instituted uh, at one point. It was written in the law at one point, and then it extended or does it, to the present age. And the question for today's sermon and the title of the whole sermon is to tithe or not to tithe. That is really not the question. <laughs> uh, but it is a question that we're going to ask today. And what I want to do is, is this is to be a very practical sermon because a lot of people I talk to, they want to give and they do give. I think most everybody in the church gives. But they're wondering, how am I supposed to give? Is there a rubric? Is there a system? Is there a certain percentage that's better? Should I tithe? Uh, which, you know, the word tithe really just means tenth is all it, all it means. And, uh, you know, does that Old Testament uh, law of tithing, does it carry over into the New Testament? And I should, should I make sure that I give 10%? And if so, 10% of what? 10% of the gross, the net, what I bring home, you know, should I take some stuff out of that first for savings or whatever else. And so I want to just walk through the scriptures a little bit and I want to see what the Bible says about the tithe and more generally about giving. And I want to see how this relates to Jesus Christ and what we are doing now. Okay. And what we are to be doing. What, what's the main uh, purpose of giving? What's the main purpose of the tithe? Now, in order to do this, I have like 18 bazillion notes, so I know that I'll never get to it. This is a huge subject with, with, uh, with peripheral or side tracks to it that we could go down. Uh, you have free will offerings, you have sacrifices, you have all these other things, and I, I know there's just no way I'm going to cover everything that I've written down and everything that I've studied. But we're going to just let the Lord lead because also I've got a couple of testimonies that I want to share to you because I don't want this to be some thing that I'm downloading to you about how the preacher's telling you that you better open up your pocketbook and give, right? And let me say one thing up front. Uh, we have nothing to hide. We, we'll show you exactly where we spend the money and how we spend money. If you've got more, this is very general outline. It just shows percentages of what we spend our money on. It has the total of what came in last year. And then what we spent on each line item, there's emissions, Kidwell, VBS, Spout, all kinds of stuff on there. And then out to the left of that, or to the right, if you're looking at the page, is the percentage of the budget that that particular line item took up. And then if you'll see over here uh, at the side, it says $50,359.15, and it says 15% beside that. Well, I, sent, I had Shanda single this one out because this is the total missions that we spent last year. And what we wanted to do a couple of years ago when we looked at this, and if you want to know why we've not done more budget meetings, is because we did one and like three people came. All right? So obviously you're not too concerned about it, but from time to time we, we want to kind of show you. The last time that we looked at this, we were right around 11 or 12% of memory serves right in missions, and we wanted to get to 15% because we want to be a mission-oriented church. So we did. We made that. Praise the Lord. 15% of all monies coming into the church go to missions. Now this is a summation of local missions, foreign missions, church plant support, um, outreach and things like this, anywhere that we try to meet the needs of the people around us, we counted that as missions, and this equals about 15% of the budget. 
So I wanted to show you that. The only other thing that goes above missions and outreach is salaries uh, or staff payroll, which is, which is uh, um, usual for any church. You've got to staff the place. But here uh, we have a very small staff, and they're very underpaid. So, and also I want to tell you this, too. I said it last week, but I'm teaching about money today, and if you up your giving, I have nothing to gain by it. I don't make more money because you give more. Okay, so this has nothing to do with me getting more from you. If you double your giving, it doesn't affect me whatsoever. I still make what I make, and that's what the church pays me, and, and it helps me pay my groceries and maybe some insurance. So I'm not, I'm not preaching to you this because I want to get more from you. I'm preaching this to you because, number one, it's biblical. Number two, Jesus Christ has called us to do this for the equipping of the saints and for the building of the kingdom of God. And number three, you are missing a blessing if you withhold from God. This is for you more than it is for me personally. Now, I need it too personally. But what I'm saying is I'm not gaining anything monetarily by preaching this. Does that make sense? You with me so far? So I want to teach you what's biblical and what the scriptures teach about giving and the tithe. Okay. Now, I want to do that in a couple of different ways. I'm going to need that whiteboard up here in just a minute, but I want to do this first. I've got a couple of testimonies for you to show you that this is not just my opinion. It's not just written in some book, but this is reality when we practice this type of giving and this type of of selflessness, that the Lord is faithful to provide for our needs, not only physically, not only spiritually, but in both realms. Now, the Lord has never promised to meet all of our greed, but he has promised to meet our needs, right? And so if I could get these guys up, Kaylee and David, if you guys could come on up and sit right here, and uh, Brittany and Adam, wherever you guys are, can you guys come up and sit right here? Okay, now, these guys right here, uh, I have asked, and I asked last minute, I know, because the Lord just kind of let me check, 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 mic, check, well, my mic's on, so I wouldn't know. <clears throat> there you go. Uh, this is not going to take forever. I won't keep you guys up here forever, but uh, these are two different testimonies and uh, different kinds of testimonies, <clears throat> but they both have to do something with money and giving, and so uh, this will be fairly brief. I'm not going to rush, rush through it, but... Um, and now I've got permission to share about you guys, right? You, there, you live in the light. This is in the light, okay? I, I'll share. I'll, yeah, okay, so we're good. And, I, and, I, and you're just going to tell them the testimony that you told me the other day, which was phenomenal, by the way, uh, and kind of give a firsthand real-life story of some living testimonies. These guys have been faithful to the Lord. Now, I'm sure you've messed up before. You know I have, too. And, I, and I'll say this before I even get into this is that uh, oftentimes, or more often used to than, than lately, but even lately sometimes, when my flesh starts to, to rise up, I'll start looking for ways to give less. Uh, Heather and I, well, I'll get into my own personal testimony later, but, but I say that to say that it's oftentimes hard to give uh, according to the Spirit because the flesh is against the Spirit and the flesh rises up and the flesh says, we don't have it this week, Adam. We don't have it this week, Brittany. Or we don't have it this week, Dave. What are we going to do? But the Spirit has to say, I don't care if we have it. We trust God. We're going to give it, right? So I'm going to start with you guys, okay? Uh, <clears throat> now I'm going to tell this story, and it'll kind of be from my end first, and then I'm just going to let you guys run with it. About two years ago, I'm terrible with timelines, but I'm longer than that, Heather says. So Two or three, we're not, we've not been a church but four years, but about three years ago, maybe, uh, I, I was doing this 
church plant study, and then I'm always studying different types of stuff. And so you get on this bent, and if you're like me, I get on this bent, and I'm just like, chup, chup, bah, 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 bah. you know, I got to go that way. Like I started hiking a few times last year, and I got, I got my mind on hiking, and I went and spent too much money on some hiking boots and a hiking pack, and I hiked like four more times, and that was it. <laughs> but I get on these kicks, right? And Heather's like, hey, man, you know, I've got like two guitars. I don't know how to play one of them. Um, but I get on these bents, and I chase, and I chase, and I look, and I study, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's good stuff. And, and it's good, but we kind of get out of balance, right? So I got on this study, and it said, this part of the study said, you really need to know who are the most faithful givers in your church because you need to pursue those people, and, and you need to make, basically it was saying, you need to make much out of them so that they don't leave, and they keep giving, and, and you find your top 10 givers, and, and you send them letters, and you thank them, and you, now, does that sound biblical? Yeah, you, you judge for yourself. I'm not judging anybody, okay? The guy wrote the article, he wrote the article. But I'm, I'm reading this, I'm like, man, that makes a lot of sense. That makes good business sense. And it even compared it to a business model. It said, it said, who in business would not know their top three clients so that they can take them out to dinner and so on and so forth? But the Bible doesn't work that way. God, the Bible says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is giving. But I, but I, I was sucked into this thing. I'm like, okay, I, I tell the church, I'm like, I want to know the top 10 givers in our church. Give me the, t huh? Top 25. I was worse than I thought. <laughs> but I remember uh, looking at the top 10. Top 25 I pulled out. And I'm looking at these and I'm going, okay, Lord, uh, how do I need to reach out to these people? How do I need to do this? Do I need to do this? And I'll never forget that, I, and I know most the people in the church, and I don't know a dollar amount that you make, but I can kind of look at how you dress and how you walk and the type of car that you drive and, and those types of things. And generally speaking, I can kind of gauge whether or not you've got a pretty good paying job, a good paying job, or you know, you you you're making it but you're not doing great. But now some of you are, are you're fool everybody because you live under your means, you're very biblical about it, you give away a lot, but some of you live very way above your means too. So it looks like you make $900,000 a year, but you really $800,000 in debt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's neither here nor there. So I pulled these statistics, and I've spent too much time telling this story, but I think it's going to show. I pulled these statistics, and I, and I know these people in the church. I know some of these guys in the church, and we've talked about it, and they make really good money. Really. Families that make, and some of them aren't here anymore, so I, I feel complete freedom. <laughs> I won't name names. But uh, we, we had talked before, and I knew they made really good money. Business owners, very successful businesses, and had to be making really good money. But they were nowhere to be found on the top 10, not in the top 25. But guess who was in the top 10? David and Kaylee. Now, I say this, and I talked to David the other day. Can I share numbers with him? Is that okay? No? Yes? No? Maybe? Man, these guys are open. Very phenomenal. So David is a truck driver. He makes about $60,000 a year, give or take. 50, okay. David's the one told me 60. Kelly's like, I'm in charge of the money. Not really. Okay, well, that makes my example even better. So $50,000. Um, very, very, uh, um, very hard worker. It works for every dime of that money. I know because I've, I've talked to him, and the times I've talked to him, we text and stuff. You know, he's on or he's driving. He's I can't text right now, whatever. He's, he works hard. He comes. And Kaylee's a stay-at-home mom and works from home as much as she can, but don't you don't have really an income. Yeah coming in. So uh, they live on his salary of $50,000 a year. And I'm not sure exactly what it was then, but I know it was probably about the same, a little more, a little less. I'm do, I think he's doing the same thing. I don't know if it's the same company, but, um, but these guys were in the top 10 
of our, of our givers. And not seeing some of the people who I know made good money in the top 10 was very disheartening to me. It was very discouraging. I thought, I just don't understand that. I don't understand that. They, you know, they've got to be giving either nothing or very little. Nothing in comparison percentage-wise to some of the other people that I saw on that list. And David and Kayla, I go down the list and I see David and Kayla in the top 10 givers. And I thought, that's awesome. That is awesome because, you know, making only $50,000 a year, and not that that's peanuts, but making only $50,000 a year and being in the top 10 of a th at that time, it was still 250, 270 people in that church at that time. That speaks volumes. And I started thinking, I said, well, how did these guys get into the top 10 out of all of these people? And, and you know what I knew it had to have been was faithfulness. Faithfulness. And I just want to ask you guys, like, what, what is it that motivates you to give? And how do you guys give? And what have you seen the Lord do as you've been faithful to give? Because I knew that you had to be faithful to give to the Lord every single week. Never, never you know, holding back from the Lord. Never robbing the Lord what he had called you and placed on your heart to give. What, is, what have been some truths of, of the way that God has called you to give? And how has he been faithful even when it got hard? Can we ask that? Well, we've been on both sides of not giving and giving, and we've been broke folk. I mean, just one income, it, it is really hard, and with three Amen. kids. Um, so at one point, we got to a place where we were literally drowning in financial debt, and we were not good stewards of our money. The only place we had to go was to trust God. We had nowhere else. So we began to, he says in his word, test me in this, and I'll show you Amen. what I can do. And that's just what we did, and we just faithfully even when we said we don't have the money, we gave it anyway. You do have it. It's do you trust him enough Amen. to provide for your needs? And he will. He absolutely will. Now, do you go by a certain percentage or just what the Lord lays on your heart? How do you guys I, decide? I do, we do to tenth. We do a tenth. Okay. Is there, a, is there a particular reason you do that or just, just that's what you've always heard? Just the Bible heard? says. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. We're going <laughs> to But if we have see. more, we give more. And then we, I ask God, show me other opportunities where Amen. I can give. Put people in my life that need financial blessing. I'm more than happy. It blesses my heart so much to be able to give than to receive. Amen. And I know these guys aren't seeking glory for any of this because I no. called them. They didn't really want to come, but I said, the people need to hear a good testimony. Because many of you out there think, I can't give because I don't have, but but you know, these guys are an average household. They're not they're not knocking down the bank. You know, they're not rich. I mean, you've got what you need. The Lord yes, has provided. Exactly. Have you ever went without when you were faithful to give to the Lord? No. We don't. No. The Lord provides. And I can tell you that Heather and I's testimony is very similar. Is that when we first got married, we had we had talked and we had you know how do we want to give? What do we want to do? And we tithe. We do a tenth. And uh, I'll, we'll walk through the scriptures. And and what I'll end up saying today is I don't think that we're under a, an obligatory tenth, or we're not obligated to a tenth like the Old Testament Jews were. It was written into the law. But we believe that it's a great spiritual discipline and a starting place for us to start and to make sure because we. If you're like us, we, we tend to start to fall in love with our money. And we'll, if you just say, well, I'll give just, just what I want to give, what well, tends to go, you know. But if, you, but if you're spiritually disciplined, you say, I'm going to do a tenth, not because I have to, but because I want to and I know myself. Right. And it's if I intent. don't have a standard, yeah. I think it's the intent of your heart, you know, behind yeah. the giving. God doesn't want you to give if you don't want to give. It's, you know, do it with a cheerful he heart loves and a cheerful giver. gratitude, you know. Amen. It's an honor for us to give. We don't have to. We want to. Amen. Isn't that great? Isn't that good? I think that's great. 
And I like what you said, too, about, you know, we, we have decided, you know, because we want to, to give a tenth. But then if the Lord, you know, we're constantly praying, Lord, show me a need. Is there a need? And, and, if, I, and if I have, and if you leave me to give, I'm going to give that extra, you know, not because I have to, but because I want to. So we don't do a hard and fast tenth. We'll say, that's all, God, that's what you told me I have to give, and I'll give it, and, you know, be happy with that, God, you know. But it's, Lord, I want to give an opportunity. And I know, I, I know my sin and I know my flesh and, and I'll fail. So I want to be spiritually disciplined to give a certain amount out of the first. Now, let me ask this, and I might be prodding a little farther here. Do you guys tithe off of, do you think it, that you should do it off of your gross income or do you do it off your net? We do gross. Do gross. Yeah. Why do you do it that way? Just because. Actual income. Yeah. yeah. Your net's just what you get after taxes and insurance and all that, so. So if you're like Heather and I, and Heather and I do off the gross, and uh, we decided that just because we want to say, Lord, we're going to pay, we're going to pay into your kingdom before anything else. And I think yeah. that principle is also found in the first fruits and kind of carries through the scripture. And what you'll find that I'm going to teach today is that these aren't obligatory laws, but these are principles that we can really build our life around to, to help and guide us. So I thank you guys. Give these guys a hand. I know that's tough. I know that's tough. So these guys have, it's not a story based on tithing, but it is a story based on giving. And while I wanted to show you guys that these guys were faithful and the Lord had always saw to their needs, even when they didn't feel like they had the money to give, they were faithful to give and the Lord provided for their needs. Um, Brittany was in a situation the other day and, and she was praying and asking the Lord, should I give? You know, do we have it? Should I give? Do, you know, is, is this something that's, that's good for me to do? And, and she saw the Lord answer those prayers and, and be faithful to her, but in a different way uh, than monetary or physical, but in another way. So I'll let you share that story of, of your obedience to give. Um, a couple weeks ago, Brandon had preached on how, how many times do you pass that homeless person holding that sign and you just turn your head and don't acknowledge them. Um, and quite frankly, I do that often. I'm not a very big person, so it kind of makes me nervous, <laughs> if we're going to be honest. Um, well, that Sunday I prayed. I said, okay, God, send somebody in my direction that needs that, that needs me to give. Well, as most of you know, I lost my mom in November, which has been one of the hardest things I've ever had to endure. So the week of my birthday, I prayed and prayed. I said, please just send me a sign. You know, you always called me and told me happy birthday. Send me a sign that you're still here. Sorry. <laughs> and on Tuesday, January 31st, um, I had lunch with a nurse that I always have lunch with once a week. And I come to a, a red light in Easley. And anybody that knows Easley, it's pretty busy. So there was this lady standing on the opposite side of the road. And I could see her. I could see her back, the back side of her. And I could see that she was holding a sign. But I couldn't see it. And I heard God say, go. <coughs> I said, okay, I'll go. So I pulled into the Sphinx. And I was like, but how do you want me to go? Like, how do I go to her? Do I run down this hill? Like, <laughs> that's a pretty big hill. <laughs> do I run down it? Or do I just, how do I do it? It's a busy highway. How do I do it? And I just prayed. I said, God, please lead me the direction. And I pray that this $9, only had $9 in cash, will give her and fulfill her needs. So he showed me the way to go. And I pulled out onto the busy interstate intersection. And my light was green. And I could see all these cars in my mirrors. And it was like they just stopped. And I handed the lady the money. And I told her, I just wanted to give you this. And she smiled really big at me. Well, her smile just reminded me so much of my mom's. She had the dimple and everything. Sorry. So that was a sign for my mom. But her sign said, two kids and no food. 
So I gave her the $9, and I pulled off, and I prayed on the way to my next patient. I said, was that really enough? Was $9 going to fulfill her need? So I went and saw my patient and gave them their bath and went about. I went back to this meets because I had to use the restroom. I wanted something cold to drink. And I seen the same lady. She was still standing there. And I said, okay, God, she's still standing there. I'm going to the McDonald's. It's two minutes off the road, and I'm getting her food. I have to. Well, I come out of the store, and she wasn't there anymore. She was gone. Just like that, gone. So I got in my car, and I cried, and I was like, was $9 enough? And that smile popped back in my head. And he just told me that it was enough. So Amen. that's how God blessed me. I mean, that same week, Adam and I was supposed to close that Tuesday on our house. And we did it. But it just showed that we had a house to live in. We could feed our kid, and we're not doing without. And that lady was doing without. Amen. Amen. I'll never forget when Brittany shared that testimony with me, and, and she said, it was your birthday, right? That was your birthday. It was right, right near your birthday. And she had been praying because she had been missing her mom that the, that the Lord would, would uh, sustain her and help her in, in so many words. And that, uh, that when she said that she gave that, that what she, gave, she gave all she had to the lady, and when the lady turned and smiled at her, it was her mom's smile. And the Lord was just, uh, he blessed her with that. And, and so I really appreciate you guys. Give both of these guys a hand. And I just, I just want it, before we start to walk through the scriptures, I want to tell you that, that I'm about to walk you through the scriptures. And we believe at this church that the scriptures are infi infallible, they're inerrant, they're the truth of God. All scriptures breathed out by good and it's by God and it's profitable for a bunch of different things. But that it's not just some book, that these are real life. And I know that there are bunches of other stories in this room that we could go around and say, God's been faithful, God's been faithful, God's been faithful, God's been faithful. And I, I guarantee you there's also stories of people in here that say, well, I was giving and I stopped giving and my life turned upside down. And this principle is not, we don't, and, not, and I'm going to get into this, but we don't give in order to get, but when we're faithful to give, the Lord knows our heart and he supplies all of our needs, right? Whether it's spiritual, psychological, well, he knows what we need, or whether it's uh, um, financial or whatever else, God is absolutely faithful uh, to do all uh, that we need and, and far beyond, right? Amen. Thank you guys so much. I don't know which mic is which. Does it matter? Yeah. I hope that one's right. <laughs> Where did this one even go? Oh, can you tell which one this one is? There you go. Stay in my lane, brother. All right, now I need that whiteboard up here real quick. We're running out of time. I need the whiteboard just to kind of throw some numbers, just to kind of give you an idea of where we are. And uh, I think we're trying to work it out to where we can get the, uh, 
the other camera working so we can uh, put what I write up here on the screen so you can see it a little bit better uh, because sometimes I, I know it's not easy to see. Anybody say, ah, glad we're family. It's just very relaxed in here. Okay. Well, I, I've not in the past been excited to talk about money. Um, I'd rather talk about sin any day. Uh, I, you know, a lot of preachers aren't like that, but I, I do feel complete freedom today. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Is that coming out of Galatians and finishing up the sermon series on Galatians, and it ending in that uh, sowing and reaping uh, principle, it, the Lord showed me and He told me, "It's like, look." I want you to talk to the people about how they sow and what they reap. And we talked, I said I wasn't going to talk about money last week, but I talked about money a little bit more than I was planning on talking about money. But today I want to kind of break down this idea of tithing for you and some principles on giving. That way, if you don't give after today, if you, if you, if you don't give and if you don't give faithfully, then that's between you and God. I can honestly say that I did not fail to declare all things, and then I'm, your blood is off my hands. I'm going to wash my hands of it today because I want to walk you through how we are to give as believers and some good principles to go by and what that means in your life and what this means in the life of the church. Okay, We've heard testimonies that God is always faithful when we are faithful to give. He is always faithful to pour out blessings on us. And now another reason I've been hesitant in the past is that I am I, the hell wealth and prosperity gospel scares me to death. It is heresy. Uh, it, is, it is untruth. It is unbiblical. And you will find all types of preachers out there who are rich as can be. And they've got that way by telling people, if you will give uh, to the Lord this bit of money, then you will get all kinds of money. And you'll get everything your heart desires. That is not what I'm teaching today. That is not biblical, and it will not find its way into this church if I can help it, okay? But now we cannot throw the baby out with the bathwater because there is scripture after scripture and text after text after text where the Lord is saying, if you are faithful to give what I have called you to give, then I will be faithful to multiply you. Now, I've talked about this before, so I'm not going to go back and rehash all of that. But basically, if we give out of the abundance of our heart, whether that's a little or whether that's a lot, then the Lord sees our hearts. He knows that our hearts are not in love with the money and that we're in love with him. And therefore, he can give to us because he can trust us to not hoard up the money for ourselves. You see, this is not prosperity gospel because prosperity gospel says, if you give, the Lord will give to you so that you can have a lot. No. The biblical principle of giving with a cheerful heart is, is that if you give, the Lord will give you a lot because he knows you're going to give away a lot. You see it? It's not for you, but it's for them. And you will be blessed in the process if you are trustworthy with God's stuff so that he will bless you because he knows that you will be a blessing for those around you. Has, is, that, can, is that a clear distinction? Okay. So now let's look at the tithe. Uh, am I far enough back here? Is this right, right here, Jonathan? All right. Let's look at the tithe and let's ask the question, 
Are New Testament believers, are New Covenant believers, are they obligated to the tithe? The tithe simply means a tenth. It is a tenth. And the tithe in the Old Testament, we're going to find out, was a tenth of your first fruits of the best of your crops, the best of your livestock, the best of your fruits, the best of everything that you had off the top before anybody else got anything you included. <clears throat> so if you're going to do a tenth and you think that you're obligated to a tenth like the Old Testament, it would be similar to you would give the first tenth of any money that came into you before you paid the government before you paid gas, before you paid groceries, before you paid rent, before you paid whatever. So I've heard people say this. They say, well, I don't have anything to give. Well, if you do, and, and, and I say this because most people that I know of in our culture, in this part of the country, they operate according to this idea of tithe. Now, I think that's problematic in some ways, and we'll get to that. But this very idea of giving a, a percentage, a first percentage of your income to the Lord before you give to anyone else would, would, would take away any ability to say, I don't have anything to give unless you're in prison and you have zero income. Because even if we're on Social Security, we're on disability, you still have some type of money coming into you that you would pay your bills with, to, to whatever else. And I am telling you this. I'm not trying, you know, I'm not trying to say, look, even those on disability, you need to be given to the church. No, I'm not. If you, if you trust the money to take care of you more than the Lord to take care of you, then just hold on to the money. I tell you this because I'm telling you that when you are faithful with what little you have, the Lord will bring extra blessing in that you would never even see coming. I know this because of a personal testimony of my own life. I know that because when Heather and I just, when we first got married, we didn't have anything. I was working 60 hours a week doing electrical work, making hardly anything. And every bit of money we went to, went to pay uh, the house payment and all this other type of stuff. Her dad paid for gas for us for the first how many months? Six months of our marriage. But we were faithful to give. And we didn't have it, but we were faithful to give. We were and the Lord said, okay, I've been able to trust you with this. Here's a little more. What you going to do with this? Here's a little more. What you going to do with this? So to those of you who are on disability or you're on limited income or, or however that works, <clears throat> be faithful even in the little. That means the most. That means the most. There are people in the church uh, in here that they have lots of money and they give lots of money, but it ain't nothing to them. It ain't nothing. It's, it's, not, it's not coming out of their heart. It's coming off the top. And they, they can give easy, thousands and thousands and thousands, maybe not in this church, but in other churches, some in this church, they give and they give and they give, but it doesn't hurt. It doesn't really cost them anything. Does that make sense? But when you give out of that $700 a month that you get, the Lord's like, that guy loves me. That woman loves me. When you, when you can't go and get some things, oh, that's good, that's good. So... Don't ever say that you don't have anything to give. It's a willingness to give out of the little that you have. Maybe that's about the extent of it. Okay, <clears throat> I have about eight things here. We'll just see how many we can get to. It's already 1130. We're going to hang on and we're going to roll with it, okay? So <clears throat> a couple of things that I want to show you. First of all, I want to show you a real quick breakdown of what we have come in 
and where that stuff goes, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time. I'm just going to show you some, some numbers. All right, so total income for the church, total giving, total income is $340,644.01. I appreciate this guy right here. <laughs> Thank you. So here's the total income for the church, okay? Now, 15% of this went to, or the top percentage was actually 30, 36% went to salaries, and the next highest was uh, 15% went to missions. Uh, where your money is, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. I hope this is a very encouraging number to you. That should be a very encouraging number because that tells us that the heart of your church is where? Missions. Spreading the gospel. Hoping or, or meeting the needs of all those. And if you look down here at line 6050, that's local missions. I want you to look at that number right there. Local missions. What's the number? $25,321. You know what local missions consists of? Helping those who are in need with power bills, food, water bills, helping put in a, a floor when it's rotten, helping seal a roof, helping buy some clothes for kids, all these types of things. Your church loves their community, and they put their money where their mouth is. They love their community. You be, you be excited when you go to put your money in that bucket, in that plate. So to make sure that money's going to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and meet the needs of people. So $340,644 altogether. Now, I want to run through this really quickly because I, want to, I just want to show you what should this church be giving? <clears throat> and there's all types of ways. I came up with my own model here, my own little breakdown. And, and uh, Hop is a numbers guy, so he might appreciate this. But I just wanted a breakdown of what I thought that this church should be given. We have been averaging uh, here lately over 300. We've been over 300 now for about five weeks in a row. Uh, we've never been over 300 that many weeks in a row. So the Lord must be doing something. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But beyond that, we average, uh, we're going to say 300 because we've been hovering right around 300 for a long time now. So 300 people, okay, so let's break this down, 300 people. Uh, let's go ahead and subtract out 60 because we have about 60 kids in Kidwell. That's 240 people. Let's divide this because we're going to be looking at households. Let's divide this by two uh, so we can look. Now, not everybody's a couple, so it would be more than this. But that's 120 households in the church. Make sense so far? Now, there's more households in this because not every one of you is a couple. We have couples and some extra, so at least 120. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut it on down to 100. This is to make sure I'm not padding the books. Let's say there's 100 giving households in the church, okay? Now, what's the average income in America? Anybody have a clue? In America. I'm going to pull it down, huh? He says 54000 No, the average income in America is $73,298. Everybody's like, where are they living? 
<laughs> I know this is skewed because of New York and California. There's a map. It'll show you where the highest incomes are. So let's say, well, not around here. <laughs> so let's look at now the, the average income for the South Carolina household is 42367 Everybody said, amen. That's more like it. Okay, so average household in South Carolina is $42,367, okay? Uh, David said he made 50, so right around average, you know, that's pretty good. Some of you in here, you make a lot more than this. Some of you make less than this, but average household, $42,367. Just so we make sure Brandon doesn't pad the books, I'm going to say $35,000. Thirty-five thousand is going to be my average. Cause say we we minister to the down and out, the broken, right? I'm not calling y'all broke. I'm just saying, okay. Let's say it's thirty-five thousand, okay? Now I've gone way down, right? I'm cutting it all the way down. I'm doing less households and I'm doing less income, right? We should at least be able to do this. Amen, amen. Okay. Now thirty-five thousand times a hundred households is how much? $350,000. That's pretty close, isn't it? That's pretty close. It's not? What should it be? What do we need to do? No, what do we need to do right here to this number? Oh, Lord. No, it didn't. This is right here is $3,500,000. What's the tenth of it, Josh? We give a tenth of a tenth. Let me, let me take it to another level here. I had, now, I pulled those names, and that messed me up when I pulled those names of the top 10 givers, right? It messed me up. I never did that again. I never did that again until yesterday. <laughs> but I didn't do that. I, did, I don't want to know. I promise you, I learned my lesson. I do not want to know who the top 10 givers are in the church. But what I did do is to make sure that these numbers right here all line up, and we're getting an accurate uh, description of what we're really giving I did ask the treasurer, I said, I don't want to know names, and I don't want to know amounts of personal households, but I would like to know how much did the top 10 give altogether so that we can give, because some people give a lot of money, and there's some, there's some donors out there that help us out, and things like that. That number, the top 10, just 10 households, it would just take 10 out of this, gave 100 and $40,986. 10 households. If you subtract this from what was given here, then that is $199,658 that 90 households gave. 
90 households gave. Now, what would happen? This means right here that this number is even way lower. So I'm not sure, Josh, you can help me with those numbers right here. What's 199,658 go into 350,000? I'm sorry, 3,500,000. Five percent. It's actually five percent of a tenth. Five percent of this? Five percent. Hmm. No, oh man. Guys, what would it look like? If every household did 10%, what would it look like if every household just did 10%? We would have money to reach in to this community, surrounding communities, and across the globe. We can't pay our staff here what they're worth. So they have to keep working. And because they have to keep working, they can't put the time into the church like they should. And because they can't put the time into the church like they should, the church doesn't grow like it should. So because we care about what? Money. We hinder the gospel. We hinder the kingdom. 199,658 means that the average household gave $2,218 last year. That was $184 a month. That's $46 a week. $46 a week. Now, if you make $52,000 a year, that's $1,000 a month. I mean, that's $1,000 a week. How much should you be given a week? A hundred bucks. A hundred bucks. So if the average income is $42,000 a year, we should be given at least, at least $4,200 a year. Now, I don't know what your income is. I have no idea. I can tell that some of you make good money, some of you don't make too good of money, but I know this is that we are not giving faithfully. Now, the next question that you should ask is, or the next thing that you should say, if you're not giving faithfully, is that either I don't care, I'm not going to give 10%, I'm not going to give faithfully, all the church wants is money, I'm not going to give my money, get over it, I just come to hear somebody speak and to get what I want out of it, and I'm not going to give to this church. Or there should be some other reason. Maybe you don't think the tie still holds. Maybe you think that, you know, well, as long as I'm dropping something in, I'm perfectly fine. I think I'm perfectly justified, Brandon, in dropping $5 in, because I know there's a lot of people in here that faithfully give to the ministry. 
And all that can inevitably mean is there, there are some in here who don't give it all, and there are some in here who think it's cool to drop a five in even though you make $1,500 a week. Let me be the first to say that's pitiful. Whether you tithe or whether you don't tithe, that's pitiful. And you know how I can know it's pitiful? Because if we look at where all the other money is going, and you can say, well, I'm saving up for the future, then all that says is, is that you love yourself more than the kingdom. Well, I like and enjoy cars. Do you love the car more than the kingdom? Well, I'm spending it on my children's education. Well, you love your children more than God. So, Let's get into then, should we give 10%? Should we give a tithe? What is the Old Testament tithe? And I'm running out of time, so we're going to have to bust it, all right? So go ahead and open up the scriptures. We're going to get, look at the tithe. Should we still tithe? What should be the principles that we look at? So I want to just run through some truths about the tithe. My numbers right here are low as low can be. This is as low as you can possibly get. I took every measure to say, okay, well, maybe all of our people are just broke, and the numbers still come out that we should be giving a hundred times more than what we're giving. We're giving 340, we should be giving 3.5 million. Right? Yes. I was right. Y'all was messing me all up. I know, but it was $35,000 was the income for each house. If y'all would have left me alone, I was on the right track. Not that good. It messed me up. That's right. That's what I said. We were, I, man, my numbers was exactly right. It was supposed to be 350000 That's exactly what I said. We were at 340000 It was only 10000 off. But 10 families made up 140000 So it showed that we should have been at $455,986, which shows that we're not giving like we should be giving. <laughs> Stay in your lane, brother. All of you, hey, I have my numbers. <laughs> have me all tore up. Okay. Either way, do we agree? Either way, do we agree that we're not giving like we should? Okay. That was a low lot of time to say y'all need to be giving more. All right, let's go home. <laughs> let's look at the tithe now. Okay. So, I want to look at a, a certain, I want to look about eight truths about the tithe. We're just going to kind of roll through several of these. Man, y'all got me all right now. I had, that, I had that planned out, and it was going to be right on the board and everything. All right, so let's look at the tithe now. Okay. Number one, I want to establish this because many people try to, try to get out of tithing or try to get out of giving faithfully or try to get out of being spiritually disciplined to give uh, you know, a certain amount and make sure that they're given to the household of God. They try to get out of that by saying, well, we're not under the tithe anymore because we're not under the law. And I would partially say, okay, amen, maybe, kind of, sort of, let's look and see. What I want to show you is, when, does anybody know when was the very first tithe? Abraham gave it to who? Old Meli, Melchizedek, priest of the Most High God. Do you know uh, what that means? 
That means that the tithe was instituted by Abraham, given to the Most High God, the one who was ministering to him, before the law was ever instituted. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's pre-law. It is. What you laughing at, Steve? It's pre-law. The tithe was established before the law ever came about. It was years after, more than 430 years after. Because when we looked at Hera, uh, Hagar and Sarah, we know that, that Abraham and Sarah, they were pre-law too. So when Abraham gives this, this tithe to Melchizedek, the priest of the Most High, and that's found, if you want to know, in Genesis chapter 14, verses 17 through 24. You can flip over there right quick. I want to show you something about that. <laughs> is that he gave this to him, and we'll see, it says here, is that after his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him, the, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheva, uh, that is the king's valley, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of the Most High God, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham by, Mo, by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God, uh, be God Most High who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. Abraham blessed the man of God who was pouring out the word of God into his life, which brought the blessing, which brought the victory with a tenth of everything that he had. Now, why did he do it? Was it to get more stuff? Is it this prosperity idea? Did Abraham give it so that he would get? Did Abraham give it to twist God's arm up and say, now I've given to you, God. Now it's your turn. I, want, I better see something here next week. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. So the king of uh, Sodom said, look, see, he had brought back all the spoils. He had brought back the people along with all of these goods, right? And the king of Sodom said, said look, uh, you keep everything for yourself. So this is this monetary blessing presenting itself to Abraham now, right? Right after he had given a tenth. So the prosperity people would be like, see, see, he gave a tenth. And look at his pockets, it's being padded right now. But it says, and the king of Sodom, Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say I have made Abram rich. Wasn't about the money. He said, take the money. He said, I don't want the money. I got God. You sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. You sow to the spirit, you reap it all. Oh, that's good. So the tithe was established before the law was ever established. And it wasn't a prosperity giving. It was a giving from the heart. We see that it was, he said, I don't want to take a thing. I don't want to take a thread. That, because if I took from you, you would say it was about the money. You would say you made me rich, but you ain't making me rich. God's making me rich. God's making me rich. I have, all of, I have all that I need in God. And when you have all that you need in God, God frees up all of these resources to come your way because you don't need them to fulfill you because you're being fulfilled in Christ and therefore you can fulfill other people. You give. Those with a cheerful heart that give, they give generously. And even when they don't have it, even when they don't have it, they give, they give. Take it. 
Number two, <clears throat> the tithe was not given to secure blessing, but did, when given with a pure heart, bring provision and blessing. We don't have time to go through all the scriptures, but Genesis 28, 20 through 22 is where Jacob tithed, and, and we see the Lord delivering and blessing him phenomenally. Deuteronomy 14, 29b says that, uh, that if you are faithful to give uh, to these who are strangers and orphans and widows, that I will bless you. We see this over and over and over and over, and some people, they react to the prosperity gospel, so, the, so they throw out this this sowing and reaping this blessing that comes when you're faithful to give, but you can't do it. You can't do it. You just got to balance it and you've got to do it biblically because when you give faithfully, the Lord does supply all of your needs and he will supply far above and beyond anything that you could ever imagine. And I'm not just spiritualizing it because he does supply salvation, but he also says, I will provide for you physically. Physically, I will do this. Now, it's not set in stone guarantee, but this is a principle that we see walked out and unfold throughout all of Scripture, even in the New Testament. We'll get into that. <clears throat> but look at Deuteronomy chapter 15. Listen to this, verse 10, Deuteronomy 15, 10. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him, because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all of your work and in all that you undertake. Didn't that sound amazingly similar to what Paul said about God loves a cheerful giver? He said, if you give out of the abundance of your heart and not begrudgingly, the Lord will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. This principle is found throughout. Number three, the tithe was established as law by Moses. The reason it was given, now this is my uh, uh, conjecture, this is my opinion. I believe, see, this, this, this tithe was already there. It was already there in principle. Right? Amen? We see it. Before the law. Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. But then later on in Leviticus chapter 27, it becomes a law. So it goes pre-law. It was established before the law was ever there. And then it's written into the law. And we'll see that it comes out and, and, and carries beyond the law too. But it was written into the law. And I think that it was written into the law because the people of God were so hardened of heart that they were not faithful to give. So God says, this is not a suggestion. This is not a request. I am telling you, I am commanding you that you are to give a tenth of everything. And the truth of the matter is this, is that everybody thinks the tenth is a lot. If you can't live on 90% of your income, you've got bigger problems. I heard a man say one time, he said, 10 or 90% with God is better than 100% without him. That's a pretty good principle. But 10% in the Old Testament, it, wa it wasn't the normal. It was the bare minimum. There was free will offerings. There was, there was every third year, there was a special tithe of the tithe that went to meet all the needs of the uh, orphans and widows and strangers. The original tithe was just for the Levites. It was just for the ministers. It was just for the men of God. It was just for the household of God that they would be sustained because they didn't even get an inheritance. See, whether you're here or whether you're somewhere, somewhere else, your greed and your unwillingness to let go of your money means a minister does without. Now, the Lord has provided for me. I have a job, but I've told you this last week. If anything ever happens to me, you're either going to have to neglect a man of God or you're going to have to come up with some money. That's just the truth. 
And if you want to say, well, he's just a preacher. He should live humbly. Well, so should you. You want the preacher to live in poverty, but what are you, you're driving around in the Lexus. You're driving around in your nice car. You're not going to go without, but you think he should go without. The tithe was established by the law because the people, had, it had to be because the people were unfaithful. Or he wanted to set a standard that everybody knew what the standard was. And the tenth was the bare minimum. The average giver, the, and this, is, this comes from a, a search of Deuteronomy 12 and 14, the mandatory tithe and offerings equaled roughly 23% is what the average person would have given when you include the free will offerings, the yearly offerings, and all the other stuff, roughly 23%. But 10% is too much for us. Number four, the primary reason for the tithe was to support the Levites, but there was also a special tithe every three years for strangers, widows, and orphans. This is in Deuteronomy 14, 22 through 29. The Levite had no other means of income. Uh, they depended on God and God's people, and Paul teaches the same principle in 1 Corinthians 9, 8 through 14. I want you to check this out right quick. Because many people say that the tithe doesn't hold anymore, and in so many words, I would agree. Because the law, the tithing law, it was fulfilled in Christ. But that principle carries on, and we have an explicit command by Paul right here that we are to give. Listen to what Paul says. And this plays right in line with what we just read in Deuteronomy and what we see in Leviticus. Check this out. 1 Corinthians 9, 8 through 14. <clears throat> Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it, for, is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? Talking about him as a minister. It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the threshers thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. <clears throat> if we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, you see the right? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? He says this is a right that he has. Now we know Paul was a worker too. And he forwent this right so that, he would, so that everybody would know it's for the gospel and the gospel alone. But he did have a right, if he so chose to partake in that right, to be fully supported by the ministry and by the people that he was ministering to. If I wanted to, I couldn't do that. But listen, it goes farther than just a right. Listen to what it says. Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right... But we endure everything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. It's a commandment that those who proclaim the gospel should be able to, if they choose, get their living from the gospel. This has to be New Testament because the gospel came with Christ. You see it? Let's go on. Number five, the tithe was not voluntary. It was required. <clears throat> there were also other opportunities to give in many ways. One was called the free will offering. Many other offerings were mandatory as well. Deuteronomy 12 through 14, go and read them. 
The minimum mandatory giving equaled about 23%, but the Israelites often, listen to this, the, the Israelites often went above and had to be commanded to stop giving. Exodus 36, 2 through 7, when the temple was being built, Moses had called for the people to come and bring the tithes in so that they could build the temple, and they brought so much, so often, that Moses, literally, the word is, had to command the people to stop giving. A little while back, we did a fundraiser to get the, the air conditioner, a new air conditioner unit. We couldn't raise the money. We raised some, but we couldn't raise it all. We, the church had to pay out of the, out of the budget. We wanted to pave the parking lot. We got a crazy deal at $40,000. We still owe $15,000 because we couldn't raise $40,000. These are just numbers. And we know that even at the lowest possible average that this church collectively made about $3.5 million last year. Much more than that because there's more than 100 households and a lot of you make more than $35,000 a year. But we couldn't raise $40,000 to do a parking lot. But we're paying it off. And there are many of you who are faithful in this room. And I praise God for you. And all of you who don't give or you give peanuts... And you know who you are. I, don't, I have no idea what you give. So if you're feeling convicted, that's you and God. Those of you who don't give, you should find somebody that does give and thank them. Because they make this possible. Number six, the tithe was established before the law, written in the law, and goes beyond the law. The principle of giving, now here's where we really get into the meat of it. We've got about ten more minutes. It's twelve now, we're good. The tithe was established before the law, written in the law, and goes beyond the law. Oh, yeah, we got baptism too. We'll be good. We'll be good. Okay. So it was pre-law, established by Abraham before the law. It was written in the law, but it goes beyond the law, and we know that. One, Paul is talking about it here in the New Testament, but two, we see it in the Proverbs, which is wisdom literature. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. That's the tithe. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. This principle of giving the Lord the first and the best before anything else, whether it names a percentage or not, is absolutely wise and it's built into the scriptures. It's built into the scriptures. Number seven, the tithe does not transfer into the new covenant as an, as an obligatory law. <clears throat> it's no longer a law that you have to give because you have to. Okay, the Israelites run under that law. We see Jesus talking to Israelites and Pharisees who still consider themselves under that law. And he tells them that, that they ought to tithe. Now, a lot of people use that to say that tithing is still practiced today in the same way. But he's talking to people who still consider themselves under the law. We're not under the law of Moses. We're under the law of Christ. But we see that the principle carries from the Old Testament into the New. It's not an obligatory law anymore, but like other laws, uh, but has a deeper principle and evidence of a right heart. Consider the following scriptures. I've got a lot of scriptures, but here's the main thing. When we say things like, well, we're not under the law anymore, and therefore I'm free to disobey the law, we miss the whole point. Do you do the same thing with other laws? 
I'm not under the law anymore, so now I can kill people. I'm not under the law anymore, so now I can, I can covet uh, my neighbor's stuff. Well, the law doesn't apply to me anymore, so now I can just be with any woman I want to be with. Does it relieve you from any effect of the law, or does it go deeper and get more powerful? So Jesus said things like this in, in Matthew 5, 17 through 48, especially in verse 27. He says things like this. <clears throat> he says, you've seen it written. Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, every man who looks on a woman with lust in his heart has committed adultery. I say to you, you've seen it written, thou shalt not commit murder. But I say unto you that any man who hates his brother in his heart has committed murder. Could the tithe carry the same type of principle? You've seen it written, thou shalt give 10% of all of your first fruits. But I say to you, give until it hurts. Could we even find principles that are in the New Testament? How about Acts chapter 2? When it says that, that they had everything that they needed for when they saw another one in need, they were selling everything that they have in order to provide for the other one's needs. Do you think those people were like, well, I'll sell 10%? Or was money no object to them? They just gave. They just gave. The principle carries into the New Testament too. Am I telling you that you're still a obligated to give a tithe? Nope. I'll tell you that me and my family, we know the sinfulness of our own hearts. We know the greed that lies in there somewhere that's not been alleviated by the cross of Christ and the sanctification of the blood of Jesus. And so we're, we have agreed to be spiritually disciplined to never do less than 10% and to do as much above it as we possibly can. That's our convictions. That's our, that way we know that we're giving faithfully. And when we can and when we feel led, we'll give above and beyond that as much as we can. And we're not always faithful to do that, the giving above like we should. But I'll tell you one thing. As we've been faithful to give to the Lord, He's been faithful to meet every need that we've ever had. Every one of them. The last thing I want to do before we have baptism is this. I had a lot more for you, but <clears throat> I want to, to share this with you, if nothing else. Malachi chapter 3. This is the text that most people always use, but I was hesitant to use this, but, I, but I'm, not, I'm going to. <clears throat> Listen to this. For I, the Lord, do not change. He sets it up right away. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and your contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouses, that there may be food in my house, and therefore and thereby put me to the test. That is the only instance in all of Scripture where God says, put me to the test. And he started it all out by saying, I do not change. If you don't want to tithe, if you don't want to give faithfully, then don't. But don't expect to change. And if you don't believe me, just test him. Test him. 
Start giving faithfully. Give faithfully for two months. And if you see that it has hurt you, please come and tell me because you will be the only one that's ever told me that. I have never, ever had somebody come to me and say, Brandon, I gave too much to God and it's killed me. I've only heard stories of triumph. I gave when I didn't have and I cannot believe how God supplied. How many times, baby, have we gave and didn't have it to give and then we had that bill come in or that piece of equipment break or whatever else and we said, how are we going to do this? And a check just come in for $3 more than we needed. Literally. Hasn't it happened? $10 more. $50 more. He says, bring in the full tithe uh, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Now, I don't believe that this is just monetary. This scripture, when I read it, it took me to another place. You see, he says, you're robbing me. But they said, how have we robbed you? You're robbing me. How have we robbed you? He says, you're holding back from me. My, my storehouses are not full. My people are not taken care of. You've robbed me. And they say, we've not robbed you. We've not robbed you. Do you can you think of another place in Scripture where, where, where God looks at the people and say, you have not fulfilled these needs. You saw me naked and you did not clothe me. You saw me hungry and you did not feed me. You saw me in need and you walked right past me. And they said the same thing. They said, when did we see you in need? When did we rob you, so to speak? When did we do these things? And Jesus says to them in Matthew, he says, to the degree that you have done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. You held back. You held back. And you didn't give me everything. Therefore, I will say unto you, depart, for I never knew you. You know, for those that were faithful to give, in Malachi chapter 3, it's this huge blessing that he says. He says, test me and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out. You know, Jesus says, if you are truly mine and you hold nothing back from me and, and I am in you and you are in me, then you know that you will be blessed with a blessing that was from the foundations of the world and the windows of heaven will be opened up and poured out and I'm the one coming down to bless you. I will walk with you. You will be my people and I will be your God. I do believe that there is a physical, financial blessing that comes with faithfully giving to the household of the Lord, and He will see to all your needs. But beyond that, beyond that, the law doesn't get more shallow, it goes deeper. But so do the rewards. Jesus Christ is the full tithe, He was the one, the first fruit that was given by God from heaven. He was the one that was sown into humanity that he might reap a blessing like no other. You are being called to be Jesus to those around you. You are being called to give as it has been given to you. Whether you, whether you decide to do a tithe, a tenth, like I've told you, that's, that's where we start. Or whether you give in another way. I don't know how you make sure that you're flesh is under control and your greed is under control. That's between you and the Lord. The tithe is not obligatory law like it used to be. But I tell you, the principle is, is that we should faithfully give and faithfully give in abundance that all of the needs of God's people would be met and all of the needs of the ministers that pour into you continually, whether it be me or 
Grant or Mark or Hambone or anybody else. It shouldn't be a problem to bring, to hire a, uh, uh, someone who does ministry or evangelism, to hire somebody in the church. It shouldn't be a problem. But we really have to consider who we can afford for this position or that position. And there should be lots of volunteers, but we should be able to hire ministers. We should. That's between you and the Lord. What you give is between you and the Lord. But you really need to think about it. So at the end of the day, the tithe is not an obligatory law. It's deeper than that. And even if you decide to tithe, that should only be just a small portion of what you give. And we saw all the numbers written down up here. If we just tithed, if we just tithe, that was the bare minimum in the, in the Old Testament. But we, we've, we've received Christ. Would we not give more? But if we just did the bare minimum, our storehouses would be running over. So you pray and you ask the Lord, what does the Lord have for you? What does the Lord have for you? I would, I would ask you. I would plead with you. I would, I would really encourage you. If you don't tithe, if you don't give faithfully, try it for a month, two months, three months, and you come and tell me what the Lord does. He says, test me and see. As we all stand to our feet, we're going to pray. We're going to do this last song. And then if you who are <clears throat> going to be baptized today could make your way to the front, and we're going to, we're going to go into uh, this worship song, and then we're going to baptize right after that. We'll be getting ready down here. If the Lord is working in your heart, maybe you saw some greed creep up. If you got mad while I was preaching, that's a pretty good sign you love your money too much. Okay? It's time for us to step up, church. It's time for us to step up in every area of life. Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything. Everything. Let's pray. Come and deal with the Lord. He's dealing with you.